So we'll be spending this year uh, till May, uh, mid-May, studying the book of Colossians. And uh, it's an interesting scenario in Colossians because it's a, it's a life change for Paul's season. Uh, and he's gone through multiple life changes. This guy was the man, Paul, who was writing this letter. He was the man. And he was traveling the known world, Asia, Europe, and he was debating the Greeks and destroying them. And he was leading great revivals and starting churches. He was the man. And then all of a sudden, in Philippi, he goes to jail, and then Rome goes to jail. And if I'm Paul, I'm sitting in jail wondering, you were so using me out there. What am I doing? Paul, just keep doing it. So we know uh, from the book of Acts that there were two guards assigned to him, and he was um, in house arrest initially, and he was leading him to Christ. And there was a revival in, in Caesar's palace because of Paul that spread uh, throughout Rome. And then all of a sudden, we know from this letter and two other letters, he's now blind. We, we know the thorn in his flesh that he refers to. He's blind. And at the end of Colossians, you'll see the second to last verse, I am writing this in my own hands. In other words, I had to dictate everything else. And there's never, I can't believe it, Lord. I'm blind? What? No, he's never going to do that. He's never going to say, pray for me to get out of prison. No, pray for me to get used by God in an amazing way. Rosemary's great-grandfather was a world-famous evangelist named R.A. Torrey. Ari Torrey went to, well, was getting his PhD at Princeton, and his dissertation was to disprove the Bible. And while he's disproving the Bible, he comes to Christ. Uh, it's amazing, and, and he's brilliant. And there's another guy with a 10th grade education trying to start a college in Chicago called Moody. And Moody got wind a couple years later of Torrey and asked Torrey, the PhD, uh, to come and just do the college, do the college. And then all of a sudden, Torrey, Moody sends Torrey all, Torrey all over the world, all over the world, all over the world. I mean, part of the great Australian revival, part of the great Welsh revival, and he's preaching, and he's preaching to tens of thousands, no amplification, no microphone. So I don't know the exact age, 50, 60 years old, totally loses his voice from screaming. And he's up in a house in Montrose, Pennsylvania, uh, where he and a guy named Ironsides, another famous evangelist, start a, a Bible conference center, but he can't speak. And he's searching for God in this. So he starts writing. He, he does what Paul did. He starts writing. And wrote one of the world's greatest books called The Power of Prayer. Uh, and many, many, many bestsellers. But he also did another thing. He started praying for generations to come that he would never meet, that they would know Jesus. And at, at the Tory reunion, uh, we were there. I cannot believe, I mean, I, and I don't, I don't remember the numbers, but there were a little over 50 people there. And well over 40 are in full-time Christian work. And Rosemary's dad's a pastor. Both uncles were pastors. Uh, her grandfather and great-grandfather, her grandfather on both sides, pastors. Ari Tori, the great pastor. Both brothers are pastors. Uh, and the, the fun, most fun one there was a lady whose husband wasn't a pastor, uh, but she led him to Christ. Her name was Alicia Tori, uh, Alicia Landry, Tom Landry's wife. Tom Landry married a Tory, and Landry was voracious for the Lord. And so, be where you are. So often we want to be, he can get you anywhere. He can get you doing anything. This guy here, it's kind of amazing. And he really wants to talk to them about, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. It's not about a religion. <clears throat> and a religion is rules. And rules are easier. Just give me the check sheet. So when I came to Christ, our, our pastor was Dr. Uh, Gene Witzke. 
And I said, after Wednesday night, uh, Pastor, can I meet with you? And he says, sure, what do you want to do? I want to ask you what the things are we can and can't do. And he's trying not to laugh. Um, but I'm a German, just give me the list. And so he said, good, bring your Bible. And so, um, and Rosemary grew up very fundamentalist. And so I said, Pastor, are, are we allowed to dance? And he said, what's the Bible say? And then I asked him, two or three, are we allowed to drink wine? And he said, what's your Bible say? And I said, are you going to do this the whole time? <laughs> and he said, what's your Bible say? Learn what your Bible says. And it was so valuable. He wasn't getting in the way, but he wasn't letting it be all about rules. Yeah, number one on your outline. <clears throat> there are still those who would have us believe that Christianity is a religion rather than a relationship with Christ that is so overwhelming we desire to give ourselves up to serve him. I'm not going to worry about to give ourselves up to serve him. So the Tuesday men's Bible study now is at Coleridge, and about half the guys go to Coleridge, and some of those guys are professors across the street at Knox, all in on Reformed theology and predestination, and it was awesome, because I knew one of them couldn't stand it anymore and had to ask. So where are you on predestination? I, I said, well, predestination's in the Bible. And he goes, but so is free will. They're both in the Bible. And watching the frustration on his face, really, you're listening to this and that was your question? We're just here to serve him. And honestly, I think there's some value. If you asked Tori, my daughter, to describe me, it would be very different from Roby describing me. They'd have the same essentials describing me. And a pastor was in here uh, earlier this week and uh, he said, what's the biggest thing you've learned through the ministry chair and I, was, I said well that's a hard question I wish you'd give me more time but I think one of the biggest things is money is easy for God and he said what does that mean I said we get so worried about the money and the fundraising and money's easy for God he, he fed close to two million people in the wilderness and unfortunately they got so used to it easy for God it's easy for God yeah he, he's doing this because he's going to move us on He's going to move us on. He, there's a couple of other reasons he's going to tell us of the, of the superiority of Christ over all human philosophies and traditions, America, right now. The superiority of Christ. He's going to explain the deity, and he's there. Timothy is probably writing this book for him. Timothy, who is his son and partner, he refers to him as both. But this dramatic change for Paul has made him better. It's not about me. And this is a guy who grew up in a wealthy home home, Pharisee of Pharisees. What he has walked away from is absolutely amazing, but he's teaching us, and, and I love it in Galatians 4.15, uh, this is the definitive on the blindness. I know you'd give me your eyeballs if you could. And I asked, I asked Roby and Rob Pacienza, um, how do we know it's blind? I know the commentators, and both of them said, uh, Roby said, Dad, look at Galatians 4.15. I know, I know you care for me so much, you'd give me your eyeballs if you could. Stop. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay because I'm still focusing on serving the cause of Christ. If it's a whole bunch of people on, in a field or it's two Praetorian Guard, I'm okay sharing the gospel with them. And they believe that the Praetorian Guard would go and stand in uniform and he would slowly uh, be sharing the gospel. They both come to Christ uh, in their shifts, take off their armor, sit at his feet, and take notes, or however they did it, uh, on their iPhones or whatever, and they'd sit there, and then they believe at the end of the shift they were putting their armor back on, 
And Paul goes, oh, put on the armor of God as he's dictating this letter to, to the Ephesian church. Wow. Yeah, when your life changes, that, that doesn't mean your purpose in life changes. Your purpose is to spend your life serving God. This has been a very, very interesting three to four year season for me. Um, and I, I can't look at Rick while I'm telling this. But uh, three years ago, um, um, I, we, I made, we made Rick president, and that was hard on me. Um, and it was kind of my purpose. And I was wondering what my purpose is. And then I got to tell you what was harder on me is you did it better than me. Uh, <laughs> you're actually organized and everything and dotting all our eyes and everything's perfect. And, and I'd come in and go, oh, yeah, that needed to be, I forgot about that. And so then this summer, it was very interesting. This summer, um, it became apparent I'm not doing the Tuesday morning Bible study uh, at First Baptist. And um, so um, they're, they're not open yet. They don't know when they're going to open. Who knows? We'll see. And so I, I get the email. Uh, it, it, won't, it won't happen in the fall. And I, I said to Rosemary, I'm going for a ride. And she says, why? I said, I just need to go for a ride. Why? I said, I don't know. Maybe the Bible study's done. I don't know. So I go for a ride, and I don't get three miles from my house, and I get a text from the pastor at Coal Ridge, Rob Pacienza, would you ever consider doing a weekly men's Bible study at Coal Ridge? I pulled over. I was emotional. Bob, when I'm done with you, I'll take you home. When I'm done with you, I'll take you home. You, I don't know how you fall in these holes so easily sometimes, son. I got it. I got it, son. Stop. Yes, it shifts a little. It shifts a little, but we're still here. Your purpose is to spend your life serving God, period. Serving God. How do I serve you, Lord? And watching Rosemary with these waitresses, it's just astounding. Sharing the gospel with these waitresses. And the, the, we don't pay Rosemary to teach her Bible study. So at the end, the ladies give her money, and she puts all her monies in this little envelope, this little missionary, and keeps it so she can give really big tips to, like, um, ladies. It's these ladies. Yeah. Colossians 1.1, it begins like this. Paul, he's gonna, their letter's different than ours. You get a letter, you've got to turn to the last page or the bottom to find out who wrote it. Uh, their letters, they tell you, first thing, this is who wrote the letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. There's so much in there. The word apostle is not an elevated word. Apostle. Oh, so we went to the, the Coleridge has a contemporary and a traditional service. I wanted to go to the contemporary this Sunday. Rosemary wanted to go to the traditional service. And so obviously we went to the traditional service. <laughs> and going to the traditional, so I couldn't take notes fast enough. And then um, I, I know what the Apostles' Creed is, but just messing with her. And I didn't realize the guy behind me could hear me. I said, who is Apostle Creed? <laughs> I never heard of him. But we've taken the word apostle and, and we've, we've elevated it to amazing status. No, it means sent. Apostle is sent. An apostle is sent. Yeah, Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Our apostle, I, I believe we're in a time like this in America today because Jesus wants us to fix our eyes on him, the only hope. Not our business, not our health, not the health of our loved ones. Bob, I got this. 
Did I not show you with the broken axle, son? I got this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm walking in here today, Lord. What do you want me to, what do, you want me to do for you? What do you? How can I represent you? How can I give it up for you? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle, small a, apostle. Uses the word apostle. But he has two other words for himself in the opening of other books. And put all together brings it, brings it home. In Romans 1, 1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. A slave of Christ Jesus. So I'm not just called and sent. I'm a slave. Which means I need to do what you tell me to do. I need whatever you're telling me to do, whatever's in front of me today. Bob, I want you to say something to that guy. Oh, Father. Do what you're you're a slave. It also says it in, in Philippians 1.1, slave of Christ Jesus. It says it in uh, Titus 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of God. And he's got one more word in Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So, a slave, he owns me. A prisoner, he controls my environment. Where I am. Bob, he just, I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus say, you know, I want you to pick a morning and go on into the DVD library and look you up, and at the very end, uh, and then I'm, we're going to destroy it afterwards, but there's a DVD, in fact, for you, there's several DVDs, uh, of, the, of the times you walked by. The times you walked by. You know the story, and it's fun for me to be back at Coral Ridge because it was my first church in South Florida when Coral Ridge was on Commercial Boulevard, not Federal Highway, it was teeny, and Jim Kennedy was teaching, the go teaching us how to share the gospel, and he taught me how to share the gospel uh, with a thing called Evangelism Explosion. And I'm still, it's not coming out of my mouth or around people, and, but I know I'm supposed to do it. So uh, I'm in my car one day, and I'm driving Sher on Sheridan Street past Sheridan Vocational during the summer, and during the summer, we would put all the boys over at Sheridan Vocational to teach them how to use their hands teach them how to take, do oil changes and whatever, and Sheridan Vocation was wonderful, but they learned how to smoke cigarettes over there. And so I'm driving west on Sheridan Street by that Chili's, and I'm looking in there, see if I can catch any one of them smoke, and I rear-end a guy. And this poor guy gets out of his car. I mean, I destroyed the rear end of his car. The first thing out of his mouth, oh, no, I just washed it. <laughs> and I remember, I can't laugh. This is, there's nothing left. So anyway, I go over, and, and uh, a guy named John uh, at, a at a place off Washington Street, uh, auto repair, so he's repairing the car. I'll have it for you uh, by Wednesday uh, lunch, before lunch. Come on over before lunch and get your car. I go over at lunch, and John uh, isn't quite done. He's wiping it down. And he said, look, John, John said to me, look, I'm going to uh, get something to eat, and then come back. I'll finish your car. I'll have it by 1.30. I said, look, let me walk over to Subway. I will buy us something to eat if you'll keep working on the car and finish it. He finishes it, I go get the subways, we, we turn over two five-gallon cans, and we're eating the sandwiches, and I know I'm supposed to share the gospel, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I know just enough to be dangerous. I don't understand the order of things in this evangelism explosion. So I start sharing it with them, and I get three of the five points, and I had them backwards, and, and then they have what they call the diagnostic question, does this make sense to you? <laughs> he tears up. And he says, yes, yes. And before I could stop it, I said, really? 
literally said that. And he prays to receive Christ, and I drive away realizing I don't have to have the right words. I have to have the compassion for another person's soul to not want him to go to hell. I'm a, I'm a prisoner of yours, Lord. You put me today. This is the day the Lord has made. This is my environment for today. One, two, I'm a slave. I do what you move me to do. Uh, but I'm sent. I'm sent to be different in this very disgusting world right now. So I, I can't focus on the disgust. And I gotta, for me, I've got to get off the cyber world. i just got to focus on today you. Who? Who in my neighborhood? Who in my life? Who in my world? Paul's descriptors, apostle, slave, uh, prisoner, are not to be seen as extreme, but rather as an example for us to follow. Yeah, letter A. If we claim to be Christians, then we are sent out into this world to represent Christ. We are his apostles. We're sent out to be kind. We're sent out to be kind. It was funny, we were... We were at lunch, Charlie and I, and Charlie has the world's biggest Trump sign on the back of his car. And I asked him, have you had any problems with that? And Charlie, Charlie said, yeah, I got out the other day and somebody gave me the finger. And I said, what'd you do? He said, you know, the old me, I would have walked over and there would have been a problem. And you gave him the peace sign, right? So on both fingers we're talking, right? Okay. And, 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 I, and it, it's, that's what we're, we're called to be different than this nasty, 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 scared-to-death world. Yeah, you are not your own. You were bought with, a, with an unimaginable high pri- unimaginably high price. You have the high privilege of being a slave to the king and creator. He paid for you with his life. Why? Because he loves you. I think one of the challenges we have here is it's too hard to imagine being loved by creator God. I know me. Oh, Bob, I know you. I know what no one else knows. I know what you think about. I know the other day what you watched walk by. Oh, what am I doing? Yeah, I know you, son, but I still love you. You know, it's kind of like a baby. Babies babies are hilarious. Every mom thinks her baby's the most beautiful baby on the planet. And um, when Tori was born, and she was born two months premature, and a C-section, we had, to, we had to do a C-section, and she's in there, and she's the teeniest baby in there, three pounds something. And, um, uh, but I felt sort of bad for the other babies at Memorial that had to be around this beautiful baby. Uh, and there were some babies in there that were seriously ugly babies. Uh, you might want to leave that one here and get another one or something. And so I remember looking at the newborn pictures six months later that were in my drawer and thought, oh, gosh, we have come a long way from this wrinkled raisin. I can't even believe it. But when it's yours, it's perfect. And can I tell you something? Babies bring nothing to the table. They ruin your sleep. You do disgusting things with diapers. Uh, They cry. You would die for your baby. Flaws and all. He did die for his babies. So if he loves us that much, he's going to get us through this. But Bob learned from it. Trust me, trust me. Yeah. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. I don't know how the, you know, the the Holy Spirit's in me. When you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit's in me. But... 
there's a verse that says, work out your salvation. You got it, but you got to connect with it. I mean, I can, I can walk around with my iPhone in my pocket and never turn it on. It's an ongoing, I want to study this, Lord. I want to know you better. And I want to have a sensitivity to when you say, Bob, 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 don't look at that. Don't do that. Don't click on that. Bob, don't buy that. And can I say, guys, this is the season of life where you need the, big, the biggest givers you've ever been, ever. Our churches need to be fat financially so they can so help the people in their community so that people can say, God, through that church. And they start coming to church. There's a big, 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 big meeting room that Sheridan House has used a lot at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale. And uh, if you walk out of their big fellowship hall, massive fellowship hall, um, you'll see a sign on the bronze thing, Whit Hudson. And uh, I, I, I got to meet Whit Hudson one time. Whit Hudson wrote a check later in life to pay for that big room. And um, he, uh, he said, we were talking about it, and he said, um, did you ever hear the story of why? And I said, no, I didn't. I, I just see your name, it's cool. And he said, well, I was, grew up in a single-parent home in the Fort Lauderdale area, and First Baptist Fort Lauderdale fed my mom and I for years. And you know the rest of the story. He said, yeah, I do. And then he married Wayne Huizinga's sister and became whatever blockbuster and gave back. When God can trust me with this giving, why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't he give me more to give? You don't have to give, you get to give. Yeah, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Yeah, there's also an obedience component in the word slavery. You know, I, I'm, I'm called to obey my owner, my king, my rescuer. There's an obedience in this. So I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice, Lord. Let us see. We are called to serve our God no matter what our current imprisonment is. Current imprisonment. I've used this illustration too many times. And I hope I, hope I use it so many times you went and bought the book, Heavenly Man. Um, one of the greatest books I've ever... Yeah, I see several of you had. Greatest books I've ever read. Pastor in China. And they, they, encart, they put him in prison. And they put him in a cell block... Um, that has a, wall, a ramp up there so they can look over and see what he's doing. And uh, they take him out and torture him every day to get him to deny Christ. And he refuses to deny Christ. And they put him back in the cell block. They're peeling flesh off his body. Um, and they put him back in the cell block and watch him. And he's dancing around, limping, praising God that he gets to suffer for Jesus. And it just wafts out throughout the whole prison and builds a crowd. And then the warden gets sick and calls for Heavenly Man. And Heavenly Man should have spit on him. But he wasn't there for him, he was there for Jesus. Puts his hands on the warden, prays for the warden, warden gets healed and sneaks him out of China to Hong Kong. And he's here speaking today in America. Yeah, everything that happens, whether you're called apostle, a slave, a prisoner, it's all for a plan. I mean, you know the verse, Jeremiah. Uh, 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know it. It says in Psalm 139.16, your eyes, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Before I was, you wrote it. How? I don't know. I don't have to know. I don't, I don't know how my 
cell phone works. I don't have to know. He knows. John 10, 28, I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given uh, them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. And I don't know that I can ever do a Bible study without this one verse here. Sorry. And we know, and that's the word. I've got to decide, okay, I, sometimes I know that all things work together for good. No, Bob, you know the good things work together for good. All things. In the lobby of a church, walking out with Rosemary and a bunch of uh, young ladies come up to Rosemary, 30, 40-somethings, and they're asking us questions, and then they ask us, and um, uh, they said, what gave Bob such a burden for single moms and women? And uh, I'm, I'm giving the stupidest answer. Well, you know, it was obvious. We're supposed to give him groceries. We got groceries. And, and, and I realized that was not obvious. I grew up in a single dad home. My mom died. Uh, so why didn't I go that way? Uh, and Rosemary said, I know. I know. His mom died when he was starting high school. And he's still serving her. And he's still trying to rescue her. And he's still doing for Jesus for her, through her. And we got in the car and I thought, wow. She said, oh, I've always known that. God used it for good. The worst thing ever in your life, God uses it as a motivator for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and you are called. My circumstances cannot be allowed to derail the fact that I am called to serve my king. You know the quote uh, oh, from the great Braveheart. It's the, one of the greatest quotes. And the final battle, and they're around the fire, and his, his number two, his lieutenant, is immense. And they're sitting around the fire, and he says to Braveheart, many are going to die tomorrow. And Braveheart says, every man dies, but few men live a life worth dying for. All we want to hear is well done. And while we're here, we want to risk our little baby steps and watch him go, whoa, you, you had to do that, Lord. Yeah, we were laughing um, before the study. My, my initial interview with the board of directors of Sheridan House, when I wanted to make sure they knew we had one little boy's home over in Hollywood, and I said, here's the deal. As long as you know, I'm here to work, work with the boys, like be a youth pastor. I will never be doing fundraising. I will never be speaking in public. I need to make sure we're all on the same page with that. And the first time I ever spoke in public, I threw up in the parking lot. And I know the angels had to be laughing, looking down and going, he doesn't have a clue, does he? No. My confidence, my confidence must come from a focus on the fact that, A, God loves me with a father's love. And can I say not a dad's love? It's bigger. Bigger. A father's love. Let her be. Nothing is more powerful than my father. Than my father. Wow. Yeah, he's got it. Let her see. Nothing gets past my father. God never says, oops. Or I didn't see that coming. Sorry. 
Oops, never. And we've already done it. All things work together for good, even my seasons of prison. Even my seasons of prison. The call here is just today. How can I, let me, let me be looking. How can I just be kind today? How can I be the best part of somebody else's day? How can I, how can I have, especially, can I just say, in this angry, nasty, disgusting world? I was having lunch with somebody over at uh, a barbecue place, I can't remember it, and we saw a whole table of, of police officers. And uh, uh, Harold got up and got, grabbed their bill. Harold Bennett grabbed their bill and walked back to the table. And um, when we were leaving, they stopped him. One of them had tears in his eyes because they sure heard the other side. And he said, thank you for doing what you do. It's time we be different. It's time we be kind. I got to fight the personal battle. Fight the battle. Don't focus on the circumstances going on around you. Don't, you know, I, and I got to get up every morning and refocus because there's something that happens, at least to me, in the early mornings of the, of, of when I'm starting to wake up at five and starting to think of all, oh, geez, and then it goes worse. Things that could go wrong uh, that haven't even gone wrong, and, and I got to fight the battle. Don't focus, don't focus on the circumstances going on around you. Fixate on Christ's love and personal plan for you. Yeah, but Lord, I don't, I, I can't see the personal plan all the time. Yeah. Just fixate that I have one. I have a plan for you. And it's a plan to use you. Fixate. So that somebody in heaven goes, he invited me to church. He shared with me. He helped me when I didn't have. I've got to take the focus off of me and not be the center of my own universe. And I've got to decide. Well, Paul, Paul says it in in uh, Philippians 1, and 22. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet, which shall I choose? I can't tell. He's saying, if I have to live, I'll live for Christ. If I stay in this fleshly body, but if I get to go, it's all for me. And I got to get going like that. Get, bring, okay, I'm going to live for you. I will live for you. And I am captivated by every letter he wrote out. He never says, please pray that I get out of prison. No. Use me. And we will see later on that there are, probably, I think it's next week, um, that there are Christians in churches in Rome that reached a point that were making fun of him and ridiculing him. If he really was of God, he'd be out. And he said, does that bother me? No, the gospel's still going out. We're good. This is the day the Lord has made for you. Rejoice that he's made you a day and be a noticer as to what you can do.